You're listening to Playback, a Variety iHeartRadio podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. We have a return guest this week, Oscar-winning director Damien Chazelle. His new film, First Man, with Ryan Gosling, launched into the Oscar season last month at festivals in Venice, Telluride, and Toronto. We talk about his approach to bringing astronaut Neil Armstrong's story to the screen and take a look back at that crazy La La Land Moonlight Academy Awards moment two years ago, among other things. So sit tight. This is Playback. Yeah. I was like, that's an interesting press tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta hit Florida. <laughs> Lots of press down there. Yeah. Tallahassee yeah. Tallahassee is big. Yeah, Tallahassee. <laughs> Gotta hit that. Uh, that uh, then New York. Cool. Then DC. Or then DC. Or then New York, then DC. Then like Atlanta, Denver. I don't know. Yeah. I don't come back here for three weeks. Oh, wow. You ready? <laughs> Uh, I only recently realized that the the three week part. <laughs> like when I looked, I had this idea in my head that I was coming back for a day or so after Europe, and then I only and then I happened to actually. It's the problem with not looking at my calendar. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Then I looked at the calendar and went, oh no, there's no LA in here for for, for three weeks. So yeah. You good. Yep. All right. All right, man. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. How was t- the rest of Telluride? It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it always is. Yeah, it always is. Are you able to really enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. Telluride is, the only, is like one of the few that I'm able to enjoy. Yeah. You can actually see movies. And, yeah. Uh, sort of be a little more... Chris had some fun at our party. Do your own thing. I did. I think everyone had fun at your party. <laughs> you know. Maybe I have some bears. One drink is all you need when you're that high up in, in, in the I sky. I don't know if I even saw you at our... I no, you, you, mean the you were in. I was. I was uh, talking to Justin a lot, actually. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And we're already up and running. So let's dive in. Here with Damien Chazelle, the Oscar-winning director of First Man. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having One me. One of our how many repeat guests have we had now? I think just you and Ava Duvernay might be the only oh, repeat cool. guests so far. We're gonna try to like you know have some some return some returning champs, if you will. You don't tend to have people come back. It's just uh, they don't like me that much. It's a, you know, it's they, a one and done kind of yeah, deal. Yeah, they're like, I us. don't want to do that one again. <laughs> they flag it. <laughs> uh, we wow. tried, you know, for a while. We tried to just kind of, you know, if they have something, let's not do it the next year again. Let's do it every other year, if anything. But now it's like, screw it. Let's just have some regulars. You know, cool. So be a regular. Well, I'm, I'm happy to happy to be a regular. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's awesome. We've talked about it a lot already, actually. Uh, in Telluride, uh, you know, the story of Neil Armstrong, you know, the, the Apollo 11 mission. It's really all of Apollo. You, you handled more of Apollo in this movie than I kind of thought you would. Actually. Well, and 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 Gemini. I mean, we, Gemini, tra- we tried I mean, to yeah. basically start right when Neil entered NASA. Yeah. So 61 and. Uh, uh, or well, you know, officially sixty-two, and uh, take it up till the yeah. moon landing. Was that basically. like the immediate like this is this is where we should begin? Like, what was the journey of finding where you should start a story with Neil Armstrong? I guess. Uh, I think it was um, well, it, it was always through the perspective of the moon landing 
for me. That was that was the just that accomplishment. Um, uh, obviously, it's the most famous thing about him, but yeah. but 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 it also just seemed like uh, for such a famous event, an event that could use some demystifying, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe deromanticizing. Uh, it felt like there was a lot left to sort of unpack in that event, and certainly what led up to it. So it seemed like. You know, even if this weren't a movie about Neil Armstrong, it felt like a proper place to begin would be roughly when Kennedy made his famous announcement, you know, yeah. about landing a man on the moon by the end of the decade. That was 61, and, you know, and then we would sort of set that as the as the gambit, the opening gambit, and then uh, uh, and then end with, uh, with that being turned into a reality. Um, uh, but then, it, you know, it cer- certainly coincides nicely with Neil's Neil's life because those were the years that he. I mean, he 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 joined up uh, NASA right around the same time that uh, that this sort of moonshot became a national mm-hmm. goal, right at the top of the decade. And um, you know, so some of the Mercury missions had happened. Uh, obviously, Americans had been in space already, but um, but uh, just to a small degree. And uh, so, I was trying to kind of see both through his eyes and through the program's eyes as a whole. Um, you know, how you go from there to there, you yeah. know, how you go from that sort of, uh, those first beginnings of uh, space exploration to uh, traveling, not in Earth orbit, but 30 times, 32 times the distance of Earth from Earth, mm-hmm. uh, or the size of Earth from Earth, all the way to the moon and back, um, how you do that in the span of basically eight or nine years. Yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, when you look at it that way, it, it certainly it struck me as insane. And when I looked at the geography, you know, you actually kind of look at the diagram of, of you know, to scale of Earth to the moon, and it, it strikes you on a primal level even more. So it, it just seemed like, uh, you know, for such a, again, such a famous event, it, it's almost like we, we, we take for granted how insane it was. Yeah, when we had you on the show two years ago, actually, which is, that's crazy too, by the way, that that's been two years. But uh you had this quote that that I've been using a lot, which was just you, you wanted to put us in the mindset of this thing that hasn't happened yet, and it's going to happen, and everyone's coming together to do it, and it's the craziest thing anyone's tried to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's yeah. the truth of it. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just you watch it, and you're in awe of uh, the accomplishment. I also felt like – and I'm just going to get this out of the way at the top. You've probably been asked about it plenty by now, but I can't believe anyone could watch this film and not feel a sense of American pride – as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and you know, there's been this 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 whatever faux controversy about the fact that you didn't depict the planting of the flag, which you and I have talked about. You when, once you get to the moon in this movie, it's very reflective of what you've done the whole film, which is you're staying subjective with Neil Armstrong, and that event was Neil and Buzz together, and you're showing Neil at this crater, and there's something very personal that's happening in his life at the time. So, have you been kind of just surprised that this? Snowballed as a quote controversy. Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, to a certain extent, but you know, it's also um, it, this. It's it's a very important moment, uh, just the the moon landing as a whole, and so you kind of expect people to have uh, a very uh, sort of profound uh, emotional associations with it, um, mm-hmm. uh, whether they lived through it or didn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, and. and uh, Certainly, it's it's one of those defining moments for America as a country. You know, it's it's uh, so much of American identity mm-hmm. um, is is uh, uh, wrapped up in a really beautiful way. I think um, um, uh, certainly the past fifty years of American identity wrapped up in that event. So, you, you, you I, I think uh, one should expect that you know that that um, 
there's the, the, the you know people are going to have powerful associations with yeah. it and uh, and so you're always aware I mean not with just this event but with any kind of any time you're doing I mean this was my first time doing a movie based on historical uh, uh, historical events but uh, you know if you're doing a movie about an iconic event or an iconic series of events or an iconic character there are going to be things that uh, that you uh, that you want to show and things mm-hmm. that you don't have time to show, and uh, and so you have to set a sort of a sort of guideline and rules for yourself at the outset. So I think for us, for me, for Josh Singer, for Ryan, uh, as we were making this movie, it was just about let's whenever we can, uh, let's show the things that people didn't see, mm-hmm. uh, let's show the things that people didn't know about Neil, about Gemini, about Apollo. Um, Let's focus on that untold story and mm-hmm. let that be basically what dictates what we show and what we uh, and what we don't show. Yeah, and for Neil, it's, there's a very personal, tragic thing that happens to him at the beginning of the film, and I'm that that thread is played out all the way through the end of the film. It's something that happens on the moon, and I don't want to like, I guess I don't want to talk about it in terms of spoilers, but I do want to ask the moment that happens on the moon regarding him and something very personal that happened to him felt such like a narrative uh, sense of closure that it was it, it, it kind of felt like it was too perfect so the question is was it embellished was it made up uh, it was uh, it's uh, no it wasn't made up but it was but it's it's uh, uh, unlike certain events in the movie it's not something that we can confirm with absolute uh, confidence actually happened. I hate um, to be vague about it, but I yeah, just don't yeah. like, it's it, for me it was such a moment when I saw it in the movie and that it, it, the emotion really got me there. It's 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 so. uh, uh well it's kind of how I felt when I first uh when Josh and I first heard of it uh, uh it, it's a conjecture basically it's, it was mm-hmm. a conjecture by Neil's biographer his historian Jim Hansen. It was a conjecture that was then backed up um uh, or at least sort of suggested as well by uh, Neil's sister, June, who mm-hmm. Ryan and I got to spend some time with. Um, uh, and uh, it was, I found a very beautiful mm-hmm. conjecture, hypothesis. Neil himself never confirmed or denied. Uh, he basically never talked about, refused to talk about uh, or disclose um, you know what he might have done on the mm-hmm. you know what we're talking about yeah. <laughs> uh, while on the moon. But um, uh, so again, we don't have uh, an absolute confirmation that it happened, but I, I'd like to think it did, and certainly yeah. people who are very close to Neil um, uh, like to think it did. Yeah. So uh, that's where we got the. It wasn't an idea that we came up with, but it was. But it was something that, as soon as we heard, it felt um, felt like a beautiful place to try to. It sort of helped dictate. Okay, if that's sort of the the. Uh, if that's the light at the end of the tunnel, if that's the, the, the station that the train needs to pull into at the end, uh, how can we best sort of lay the, mm-hmm. lay the pipe to get there? That's good enough for me. And frankly, I came to the conclusion if, you, if it had been made up that it would have been fine by me because you're telling a story, you know, and that, that happens to close the story nicely. And, all, yeah, all of that's good enough for me. I mean, it's just, it, again, such a profound moment and really interesting because the movie, for me, is it's it's filmed in a kind of claustrophobic way at times. It's filmed in a kind of languid, almost removed way at times, which I came to feel reflected him. Mm-hmm. He's a very calculated, uh, you know, I don't want to call him emotionless, but everything is buried mm-hmm. in the guy. And I kind of felt like the filmmaking reflected that. There's not You're not cutting outside of... The spacecraft, whenever you're doing all the various missions, uh, mm-hmm. everything's right there with them. And then when you get this moment on the moon, that release happens. And I kind of feel like some people that worked for and other people maybe 
the the vibe of the film up until then just maybe maybe they checked out or something i don't know because i've just heard interesting varying takes on this so mm. i just wanted to ask you about that like how did you come to approach this material with with film language because it's so different from whiplash and la la, la, la land which are you know kind of i guess frenetic by comparison <laughs> but uh just talk about that a little bit i guess uh yeah i mean i i think um from the outset, I think it was just about trying to uh, uh, trying to make everything feel as real as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, for me, I think that started with the archival footage. That the, mm-hmm. you know, there's just which of which there's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, of of all the, uh, the 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 Apollo and Gemini missions. Uh, you know, uh, NASA on the ground. Um, also, obviously, the Life magazine photographs of the astronauts and their families. Um, so basically, just the documentary visual mm-hmm. uh, material that exists of those people at that time. Um, I just kind of fell in love with how all of that felt, and and um, uh, that I think dictated uh, to a large degree the look of the film, mm-hmm. uh, the sort of uh, 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 super sixteen or, or thirty five two perf kind of grainy um, uh, handheld look. Um, um, but it also, I think, you know, sort of wound up dicta- dictating the style in, in the sense that, you, you know, if you're trying to make the movie as though you're a documentary crew kind of on the ground um, following these astronauts around or sort of slipping into the spacecraft with them or into their mm-hmm. house with them, um, you can f- get very physically close to them. But there's also always going to be a certain distance that you have. There's a certain distance in any verite, cinema verite filmmaking that um, um, because you don't have this sort of. The, you don't have the trappings that you know fiction filmmaking give you to mm-hmm. sort of plunge into a character. So it became this kind of balance and this challenge for for Ryan and and Claire and and all the actors and and, and for us to figure out that balance of how where were where were we going to kind of slip into their subjectivity in a way that documentary filmmaking doesn't allow you to do, uh, uh, traditional verite filmmaking uh, you know wouldn't allow you to do, uh, and when were we going to be really faithful to okay we are truly a fly on the wall here mm-hmm. not intervening observing mm-hmm. being voyeurs and just kind of uh, peeking over people's shoulders to see what's going on, but not necessarily interacting with it. And that was sort of uh, just the newsreel versus the uh, the more kind of uh, you know. Uh, subjectively emotional approach, and we tried to tried to sort of uh, yeah slide in and out of yeah. of one kind of mode, but try to keep it feeling the same. Well, that, was, that was the the aim at least. Some of that like it grounds them in such a way, you know, the, domest- the domesticity of it all. It, these guys are superheroes, so like the contrast of yeah. that is really interesting too. Yeah. You know? Um, last time you were on, uh, I, I had asked you how how did the kind of tour, if you will, of La La Land compare with Whiplash, meaning specifically the, the, the festival reveals of these films. You had Whiplash and Sundance, mm-hmm. you had La La Land in Venice. Talk about First Man and how this experience so far, we're talking earlier in the game than we did last time, but how this experience so far is uh, compared to last time. I mean, were you were you reticent to open Venice again? Uh, well, you know, I, in, in, in some, I mean, yeah, in some ways, I, I think, but it, it had more to do with just... Uh, uh, you know the, the the schedule we were sort of confronted with, yeah. um, uh, but that that in a way actually was, was sort of regardless of, of of Venice. It was just you know we knew we had to finish the movie by a certain point in time. It was less time than we had had to edit La La Land, um, which which uh, in some ways, uh, well in all ways, was an easier film to edit. Um, 
uh, less footage and more wonders and more just kind of uh, pre-designed, whereas this was sort of yeah. a lot of this was discovered on set and then discovered in the cutting room like a documentary would be. So so uh, that plus the technical challenges on this were, were sort of another, you know, kind of a, a just of another level than, yeah. um, than anything I dealt with before. So it was just a scramble to or felt like a scramble to kind of uh, get all the pieces in line and uh, and feel like we you know, had it had a had a handle on things in time, mm-hmm. uh, and luckily it all came together. But it you know wasn't without a lot of uh, a lot of sort of sweating and hair pulling and hard yeah. work from the uh, from well, <laughs> from Tom to, Cross and 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 the sound team and the VFX team and everyone. You seem to be kind of thankful for that when it came to Whiplash, kind of getting it together. I, ironically, this, ironically, this felt closer Similar. to Whiplash than yeah. than it did to uh, La La Land in terms of the in terms at least of the post production of it. Having Just, so much time to second guess what you're doing and stuff like that, which is what you did on La La Land. You yeah, had this yeah. Whereas here, it was where, kind of yeah. There was a little less of that, and uh, uh, we had yeah we had more time than we did on Whiplash, but more. But we also had more footage and a bigger story and mm-hmm. bigger technical challenges. So so it felt you know. It felt like a similar pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess in some ways that pace just sort of is unrelenting until the moment you lock. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, the, the moment we finished, I hopped on a plane to, to, you know, to Venice and we were premiering the next day. So it was uh, – I didn't really have time to sort of have that kind of uh, – which in some ways is probably good for me to have yeah. that sort of post-finishing, pre-premiering yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of stress. It just kind of one rolled right into the other. Good. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, well, first let's talk about the score. You know, I talked to Justin Hurwitz so, mm-hmm. and tell you right a lot about this. The score is phenomenal. Um, I, yeah, it's, sometimes it has this kind of metronome ticking, kind of propulsive quality. Sometimes it's very emotional and sweeping mm-hmm. in its way. Uh, what was, I guess, the the initial? You know, I always ask this kind of question, but just the kernel. What was the idea of? Okay, the musical identity of this film should convey X. What, what was that? I, I think it was uh, more than anything trying to convey uh, the the loss of a child, trying to convey yeah. uh, a, a parent um, a parent's grief over yeah. the loss of a child, and 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 uh, so I think it started with not not so much trying to convey you know what's what's the what's the you know how do you score the moon landing or how do you score uh, uh, you know space missions? It was more what what is what's the, what's the central emotion of the movie? Um, the emotion that sort of guides everything, and 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 uh, and what is a melody that can sort of communicate that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, so it started there. It started with Justin at the piano trying to find that melody, um, and then trying to find sort of sub themes around it. Once we landed on a central melody we liked and. And uh, and then only after that um, did it become a matter of okay now what are the sounds that that uh, that best um, best sort of tie Earth to the Moon mm-hmm. so to speak in, in the movie you know that that can be grounded when we need them to be intimate when we need them to be but also can suggest the infinite expanse of space mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah and I think. Um, that that took a long time. I remember. I mean, actually, even before, uh, I mean, almost even before there there were kind of uh, you know back when we, were, we when we were in early stages of the script, Justin and I were talking about what what the sounds might be. We knew it wouldn't be completely traditionally orchestral. We also knew we didn't want it to be completely um, non-orchestral or, or, or completely electronic. Um, 
You guys did some trippy stuff. Sort of I, wrote needed, a, I wrote at length about it. Needed, yeah, we just needed. We knew it needed to be in some kind of a, you know, in between zone. Yeah. Um, but it took a while. Yeah. To, you know, fi- fine tune that. The movie has a definite like sonic signature. Just you know, the the sound design is amazing. Uh, what was like the kind of the biggest technical uh, hurdle or whatever with this film? I mean, I've heard some interesting things about taking. Some of the archival footage, I think that you you did something with the visual effects to expand on, or something mm. like that, and you know just different things like that. What was like just the biggest challenge, technically speaking, to to get what you wanted to 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 convey the vision that you wanted to convey here? I guess. Uh, well, you know the the, the I, I guess one of the big challenges was was uh, once you try to sort of set parameters around uh, around something like in, in this case uh, okay everything needs to feel like a you know super 16 documentary and we're sort of expanding from there then uh, it sort of puts even more of a burden I think on on visual effects or sound design uh, you know the, the, the those craftspeople who uh, in a different kind of movie I think you can get away with stuff being a little more obviously synthetic you know if you have a movie that's sort of fantastical from the get-go um, I think there's a lot more allowance for things to either uh, to either look computer generated or to sound uh, 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 heightened or whatever you sort of you sort of go with it um, and uh, but here we knew we weren't we, we weren't going to have that sort of facility that yeah. um, that that stuff that was fake would really look and sound fake. Um, it would be like a sore thumb, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, so yeah. So so that sort of dictated a lot of what the workflow was going to be. That we were going to try to do as much of the visual effects in camera, uh, try to do as much of the visual effects. Uh, uh, before shooting, so to speak, and kind of put them on LED screens in terms of what you were seeing outside the spacecraft, and so uh, and film those LED screens through the windows of, of the spacecrafts, and film all that on on film or Super 16 or 35, and try to bake everything into a look that mm-hmm. would that that hopefully would harmonize everything, so that at the end of the day, whether it's a miniature or a piece of computer generated imagery or uh, or totally sort of in camera practical, uh, uh, it hopefully would all um, speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, it would all be put through the same filter, so to speak. Um, and I guess sound was sort of a similar similar deal. Um, uh, you know, we we uh, 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 Mary Ellis was our uh, uh, recording sound on set. Um, and was just meticulous about every, you know, sort of uh, 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 every, uh, you know, like in Mission Control, miking every single desk, you know, f- 24 separate channels there in the in the spacecrafts, miking uh, uh, different elements of those crafts separately, making sure we were always getting, even if we knew it would be rough, always getting production sound, even if it was just of the gimbal motion control <laughs> sort of <laughs> systems on these crafts. Um, that then created a groundwork for Eileen Lee and, uh, uh, and, and Frank Montano and, and, and Millie uh, Yatro Morgan uh, to, to, uh, to sort of uh, create their templates and post sound-wise. Mm-hmm. And, and they wound up going to launches and, uh, uh, you know, recording the Falcon X and recording launch tests and recording rocket tests in Texas and Florida, uh, getting space suits and putting mics inside with helmet, you know, putting mics inside the helmets and inside the sort of nozzles to get airflow. And mm-hmm. um, so basically just trying to get as much real stuff as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you know, you, you have this bedding of 
I guess you could call it reality, uh, and then you try to uh, figure out where you need to augment that, where you want to augment it, where you want to have fun with it, mm-hmm. and that's where that's where you could get really creative. And so that's where I know, like I, I Lang uh, in in um, in post, you know, started uh, playing around with uh, various animal sounds and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sounds of, of warfare, tank sounds, uh, gunfire sounds, uh, uh, you know, stuff that normally would not be. Yeah. Would not realistically be in this world of uh, you know uh, spacecrafts, but um, but could sort of bleed into it and augment it and heighten it and also give another worldly quality to it when we needed it to. Um, yeah. um, and uh, and then John Taylor, uh, 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 another one of our mixers, you know, he, he sort of uh, uh, his job sort of at the end was kind of to to collate everything and to mm-hmm. sort of pull everything together and and. Uh, um, Again, make it all sound of a piece. So you want it all to look of a piece and sound of a piece, and it just it, it it takes some, you know, some back and forth to get that. Biggest technical challenge of your career so far? Or? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin says he keeps his Oscars on his piano. Where are you keeping yours? <laughs> keeps his Oscars on his piano. That's what he huh? says. I don't know. Yeah, Is he I, lying? No, actually, I think that's right. The thing he doesn't tell you is that he has nowhere else to put them because his apartment has no furniture so yeah. or no drawers or no anything. It's just a bare bones. You go in, and it's like an empty room with a piano. That sounds right. So the only place to put them would be on the piano. Um, I, I, uh, mine are in a, like up, up in a drawer in a spare room. In a drawer in a spare room. Or, or well, they're they're on a drawer, so they're not they're not like hidden, but they're not yeah. in my face. Okay, why? Because I would, you don't I wouldn't, want the challenge. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be staring face. at yeah. them. As a, <laughs> I think Justin <laughs> probably likes the challenge of it. I like them to just be out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I, w- I want to ask you because you know uh, we talked two years ago, a year and a half ago, right after the Oscars. I'm going to ask Barry this question in two weeks too, so you're not on the spot. But just <laughs> af- after the whirlwind of that night, we spoke the next morning. Yeah. Uh, just the afterglow of all of that. Like, what do you what do you think when you look back at at that night and that crazy moment with the you know the mishap with the envelope <laughs> and just all of that? Uh, it all feels a little bit like uh, uh, like. Uh like something out of a movie, uh, which I guess is appropriate. <laughs> you know, it feels very surreal. Um, but, you know, it's sort of, uh, I don't know. It, it, it was, uh, there was something kind of fun about it because it's, uh, you know, uh, the, the Hollywood, the Oscars, all that stuff is sort of uh, can be, has the potential to be absurd enough on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it felt like that whole uh that whole episode was a <laughs> maybe a way of underlining a little bit, yeah. uh, underlining that. Um, but it was certainly nice to be able to. I saw Barry in uh, Toronto actually when we, uh, we were just there. Um, he was about to premiere his film, I think. And, and um, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a surreal memory. Yeah. As I told you both at the <laughs> time, no, nobody else is going to have that memory. I mean, you know, that's presumably that won't ever happen again so you you get that interesting spot in the record books i guess if you will yeah some people have you know (laughs) walking on the moon other people have uh, (laughs) a mistaken envelope that's great you're still young. thanks chris you never know you might get to the moon um (laughs) last year i just kind of want to talk about last year because uh you're Mm. working on your movie but you know La La Land was two years ago, so last year you presumably were able to see some movies. You wrote about Dunkirk for us. I know you were a Dunkirk mm-hmm. fan, so just curious what you thought of last year's kind of award season slate of films. We had stuff like Shape of Water yeah. and Get Out and Three Billboards and Dunkirk, which I was a huge fan of Dunkirk. I thought it was, I thought it was great. It felt like a great year. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
but it also was, you know, it, 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 I definitely always enjoy the years more when 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 I don't have, you know, when you don't have something. I don't have a movie on. out, yeah, and yeah. you know, I can just sort of uh, uh, take a step back and uh, um, watch stuff, you know, uh, the, the way I used to as a kid, you yeah. know, and you just sort of um, um, you get to have a little more untainted view. Yeah, but it actually felt like a great year. I loved. Uh, Call Me By Your Name and mm-hmm. Phantom Thread and Lady Bird and Get Out and uh, Dunkirk. I mean, it was, it was uh, yeah. This year's pretty good, too. We had Chalamet felt, felt like on the show one just of a couple best of years. years. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Phantom Thread, too. I remember Phantom Thread last year. Yeah, I, yeah, I just Did you mention that? that? Yeah. I, I have my list of movies because literally I forget them like – Two two months later, I'm like, what was what were the movies we were just watching for yeah, six months? And that's really sad. That's but it's just like <laughs> it's because you're so crammed for like you know six months. But and then, then the one the ones that I guess the ones that matter sort of they they, they kind of float back into your conscience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it all uh, it always comes later. back, but immediately afterwards, it's like you just cauterize the like wound. It's like cramming for a test, and it, and <laughs> yeah, it completely yeah. goes away the day after, and then a few nuggets will remain exactly. in the years later. Yeah, it's true. It's we had a, we had no. It's a healthy thing to re- to remember when. When, when you're kind of in the, in the both as a filmmaker and I assume on your side, just when you're in the the crux of it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember how fleeting it all can be. Absolutely. We had Nolan on the show speaking of Dunkirk, which was like huge pleasure. I mean, I know you guys have. I don't know if you're pals or what, but like I know you guys respect each other's work and you've yeah. spoken of each other's work. So. Uh, no, he's. I mean, yeah, and we. I, I got. We talked a lot about uh, you know obviously IMAX and. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, he sort of helped uh, helped uh, helped me know what to expect. Um, this was my first time shooting shooting on IMAX stock. Uh, yeah, and um, the moon stuff, by the way, everyone yeah. is, is the IMAX material. Um, but uh, but also, I just I really uh, love and respect his approach to big canvas uh, cinema. This sort of in, again in camera, old school kind of approach. I, I was lucky enough to work with uh, Nathan Crowley on this movie, who's yeah. uh, basically Nolan's go-to production designer. I mean, obviously he works with many other directors as well, but um, but he had just finished Dunkirk, essentially, when um, when I first met with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hadn't come out yet when I first met with him about this. Um, and uh, and he was, you know, completely not just on board, but helped spearhead the whole kind of principle of, of uh, you know, practical effects and in-camera work that, that Linus, my DP, and I were we're trying to foster, um, mm-hmm. and and same with the VFX team, and so you know, it, it, you, you you kind of have to have everyone on board with that. That okay, we're everything's going to be real. We're gonna have, we're not going to you know digitally put in the visors later. We're going to have real visors in there, which means they have to be breathing, uh, you know, uh, real oxygen and and having cooling tubes and all that has to be functional inside their suits. And then the crafts, those are actually going to close up and be, you know, we're not going to make them bigger for camera. We're going to make them what they actually were size wise. So you got to figure out your angles and uh, when it moves, it's going to actually move. When there's fire outside the window, it's going to be fire. You know, all these things just uh, – it takes planning, but I was really lucky, and especially thanks to some of these, you know, kind of people at the top spearheading it, like Nathan, to just have a group of people who were uh, gung-ho for Mm -hmm. that sort of approach. Yeah. Uh, From the big canvas to a smaller one, I I wanted to talk to you about working with these streaming companies, working with Apple on a project, working with Netflix – uh, you, I think you directed two episodes of the Eddie for Netflix, right? Well, I haven't yet. That's next year. You're, oh, you're going to? Mm-hmm. Well, for some reason, I thought you had already done those. And then no, Apple, not, you're, you're not doing that it. prolific. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, you're slacking <laughs> off. 
uh, the Apple, you're doing the whole thing. You're, you're, yeah, you're yeah. writing and directing the whole deal. Uh, I believe there's some mystery around what that is. Well, I'm uh, work, working with a writer on it, um, uh, and I, uh, uh, yeah, we, we, they, they, it's, it's, still, it's still very early days. Tell we, me we, something. We don't, uh, there's, there's nothing yet. I can tell you there's nothing yet. There's okay. no script. There's no, there's, there's, uh, there's ideas. Um, the, the Eddie, the Netflix thing, that's, that's something that's been sort of uh, brewing for longer. Uh, that's uh, something that Jack Thorne, a great, uh, great uh, writer, um, uh, wrote, and uh, so I'll be, uh, yeah, I'll be directing the uh, just the first two episodes in Paris. So obviously, year. no ambivalence, reticence, or whatever for you regarding these companies, regarding this kind of media. Uh, you know, Mr. Nolan has some strong feelings about Netflix, for instance. So mm-hmm. you seem to be fully on board and happy to do this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yes. Um, you know, but also it's, it's uh, you know, these are these are uh, TV projects, or you know, uh, you know, the Eddie's a television series, yeah. and uh, the Apple thing is another long form. Um, Long form uh, uh, piece of material, so I, I um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going into those uh, expecting a, uh, you know, sort of theatrical mm-hmm. uh, uh, presentation necessarily. Um, so I think, uh, I think what Nolan is talking about is a little more, not to put words in his mouth, but is a little more specifically yeah, regarding sure. the well, how about theatrical just, feature films. How, how about like the the kind of. Uh, What's the word? Uh, I don't want to say dominance, but you know, a company like Netflix is really taking off and really uh, kind of rubbing against the grain for a lot of people. So, regarding theatrical versus you know, a movie like Roma, which is going to Netflix, and some people are like, "Oh, this should be on three thousand screens." And you know, just do you have strong feelings about all that kind of stuff? Well, I think they are planning on doing a real. I mean, they're, I know three thousand screens, but you know, yeah, they're uh, going to do something. Uh, uh, and first of all, a movie like it would never be on three thousand screens, you know. <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, so it's also I think there's there's um, if they do a real, you know, th- as much a theatrical for Roma as as would happen for, um, you know, for for say you know for for that same movie ten years ago or something, yeah. then that's uh, then I'm all, I'm all for that. Um, um, I do think theatrical. Yeah, I mean, I, I remain a fervent believer in theatrical yeah. for sure. Um, there's nothing that quite can replace that. Even, e, e, and honestly, even if it's just a sort of first step, and you know, everything winds up on home video these days. Yeah. So it's not, you know, sometimes there's this kind of this straw man argument formed that 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 it's like an either or kind of thing. Sure. That people yeah. who argue for theatrical are arguing against home video right. or something, you know. And it's really not. All they're arguing for is for theatrical to remain. The option to be there. An option. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Same thing uh, with digital versus film, although that, so, that debate kind of. Yeah. No, that, that's, that, that's, that, that, that debate at least felt, you know, earlier uh, kind of similar, you know, yeah. in the sense that sort of uh, these things don't have to be exclusionary. So yeah. um, but sometimes they're pitted out as though they have to yeah, be. Yeah. So I guess that's more where I where I come down. Um, but I think. Um, uh, but, you know. I don't know. At the end of the day, good, good. Uh, you know, good storytelling is good storytelling, and and uh, and it's also not necessarily a bad thing. I think uh, uh, the same applies to you know more traditional TV uh, when it's good. It's not necessarily a bad thing to to have uh, you know real competition mm-hmm. for 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 uh, for smart discerning eyeballs um, yeah. that that uh, that you know that the studios have to deal with. I and think I always say uh, you know hopefully it sort of inspires them to uh, to you know. Make more, you know, t- 
take more risks, make more interesting films. I know that's not always the case, but yeah, you know. I always say the first time I saw 2001 was on VHS. So yeah, same. Know, it's like. Uh, by the way, congrats on the engagement. I just wanted to mention oh, that. That was last year. You haven't got married yet, right? Since. Uh, well, uh, yeah, no. Well, so I mean, dates we, in the future. we 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 uh, we technically got married. We eloped, um, eloped. Um, um, back in the. Back in the Christmas, uh, you know, Christmas holiday, back okay. you know, around the winter holiday. Um, uh, and congrats! But we're having, we're say. having like, a, you know, we're doing a ceremony, you know, a, a celebration. Awesome! But you, um, you know where to send the invitation? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should. Yeah, bring it right here in person. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her hello for me. <laughs> Actually, Olivia's right here. We can do it. We can do it right here. <laughs> Let's do it. You, Let's you ever out. officiated? Get uh, the PMC team yeah. here, the research guys, to to, to be the witnesses. <laughs> uh, the movie's called First Man. It opens October twelfth, and you should see it. Uh, it's fantastic. I think it's amazing. And uh, as I tell Damien all the time, I'm I'm very angry with him for being thirty three years old and this talented. But congrats with everything, man. You're doing well. Thanks, man. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs>